Father Dave, good morning and, and welcome back to season two of Locust and Wild Honey. Season two. How was your summer? <laughs> What's going on, Costa? <laughs> we opened season two a month ago and we haven't been back in the studio since. So I'm just pretending we never started it. I'm blaming this all on him, guys. By the way, he's got a problem here with the technology. So this technically might not even be recording right now. We might just be sitting here on a Tuesday morning in the school by ourselves, talking to each other through the microphone, Every, actually doing nothing. Everything you said is just true. <laughs> we, we had to adapt this morning to use technology we're not used to, and there's no signal or audio out that I could tell we're actually recording. So that's how it is. This is how season two starts. Yeah. And I think we did something like a month ago. I barely remember it. <laughs> Guys, he's off his game this year. He's off his game. I've actually been pushing him more this year on on this on this podcast than he was than he has been. Last that, year he was pushing me. That's true. So um, we always start out, no matter what season it is, we always start out with the Mets because they're always in the news, even when they're not playing baseball. <laughs> Yesterday, it happened again. They fired their manager. So well, three managers in three seasons? Is that what we're looking at now? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I had heard on the radio the other day they had a conversation with Terry. Uh, oh, Terry Collins. Terry Collins. Because he was doing some of the radio broadcasts when Howie was out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing how how much every Met fan wants him back. Yes. <laughs> the same Met fans that wanted him gone. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we have the playoffs to to look forward to. I, I do it's have- a good time of year. Everything's starting up again. Yeah. I have trouble getting to playoff baseball if the Mets aren't in it. And not because I'm a homer. I mean, I am a homer, but that's not the reason. It's just the game starts so late. And I know I sound like an old man saying that. <laughs> yeah, but I would really like, I mean, myself too. I mean, I would really love a day game. Wouldn't it be cool? Oh, my goodness. The times I've been able to visit my son out in Los Angeles have been great. We were out there for the playoffs. Was it last year or the year before? And the Do it happened to be the Dodgers in the playoffs, but that didn't matter. And, um, you know, the games were starting like at five or six o'clock yeah. and they were over and you weren't like, you know, caffeining yourself to, to stay awake. Right. Yeah. I mean, like how awesome would this be to have a one o'clock game Eastern standard time? Mm -hmm. We're in the building. We could live stream it on our computers in our <laughs> offices and just like, quote unquote, do ministry while we're watching the games. <laughs> so there's a we're evangelizing. We... If you're not familiar with most of you are not familiar with the school um we have a very very large screen tv in the library that we use for presentations it's beautiful it's epic i i don't know how it's it it has to be eight feet tall six yeah. feet tall i'm bad yeah. with that but it's big so um opening day for baseball we we try to get in there to turn on baseball games and then it's the possibility I may have called my children out of class to come watch Mets opening day a few years ago. There's there's a legend where the kids talk about that. I don't remember it, but he. So in the spring, as we were kind of winding down to the school year last year, we had a, a night of adoration. And usually Costa is the one kind of organizing things, keeping everybody in check, keeping me in check. And at a certain point after adoration, half of the students and Costa disappear. And I'm like, man, maybe, all right, maybe everybody went home. Oh, I remember this now. And I'm looking all over for them. And where are they? They're in the library watching the Islanders playoff game. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. It was a very bonding experience. Nobody cares about hockey. Except all the people in the library watching it. 
I will get you to a game this year. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath with that one. <laughs> um, so we were looking at Sunday's gospel, and it is the um, gospel you have undoubtedly heard about the um, the man asking Jesus, how do I get to the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus, kind of a long response, talks about um, how you have to get go through the eye of the needle. So Jesus says, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. They were astonished and said to themselves, how can we be saved? And he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to the kingdom of heaven. And that was a reading I heard my entire life. And it always, I don't know about you. I don't Did you ever think about that when you were young? There was an incongruity that I kind of almost innately picked up because in my mind, I pictured the eye of a needle as a sewing needle. Right. And my mom crocheted yes. and my mom knitted. So I would have been around those as a, as a young person. And, and it's obviously physically impossible for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Right. So I, I wasn't, so obviously Jesus in the literal interpretation of that reading is saying it's hard for a rich person to get to the kingdom of heaven. And, and that makes sense. But I also interpret it as, well, it's also kind of impossible unless there's some magic going on or, or whatever. It, it just left me with more questions and answers. And, and I, was, I was somewhat, it almost internally dismayed. Like I didn't understand how this fit into everything. It just didn't make sense. Um, so many, many years later, I was in my mid-20s. And I, I was going through a period of kind of being annoyed with things going on in the church. They had changed the words to some things. It, this wasn't the major change from 2009, 2010. This was like a subtle change back, I think, in the 1990s. It wasn't a big deal. But I'm thinking, do they not have better things to do? I was just, I was just annoyed. John Mulaney actually does a skit about this. I, I, and I love to, after knowing you for two and a half years now, yeah. I absolutely love when you're like peeved about something. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's usually something that doesn't really amount to much. It's not terribly important. <laughs> so I was kind of annoyed. And then, then I went to church. When it was like an August five o'clock mass and the air conditioner wasn't on. <laughs> so I'm checking off all the boxes. Like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here? You know, the important stuff where it changes in air conditioning. So anywho, um, we, the gospel, um, what was this gospel? And, and the pastor spoke about it in a way that I had never understood before. And I was just actually starting graduate school for theology at the time for reasons I had no idea I wound up here, but that's yeah. through the grace yeah. of God. And he was talking about this reading and, and what he was saying was that, that cities in what we would call Israel today were typically surrounded by a wall to keep the bad guys out. Right. So the walls would have these very large gates that would mechanically open. Think of like Lord of the Rings, you right. know, that yeah. that type of thing. And you would um, keep those gates pretty much open during the day so travelers could come in and out. But at night you would close those gates and it would keep the bad guys out because there's no artificial lighting. 
there, the fear was that the, the people who were going to come and kill your women and children and pillage and all that stuff would be coming at night. So they would keep them closed at night. Now, there would be times a traveler would be coming at night and arriving at night. So they would, you know, they would knock at the gate and try to identify themselves and say this is legitimate. And the traveler would typically have a lot, his, his or her, well, it would be a him, belongings on, on the camel that they were carrying. So the camel would be carrying all the person's belongings, everything that they owned, anything that they deemed necessary for life. So they would knock on the, on the gate and they would slowly open the gate, but they would only open it halfway because the thought was maybe this guy was one of the bad guys and all the other bad guys were lined up against the fence. And if they opened the gate fully, all the bad guys would enter. So they would open it up a little bit. They would open it enough for the man to walk through, and they would have to unload every package from the camel, physically take it in, and then the camel would go on its knees into this gate, and that way they could close it quickly if they needed to. Okay, That gate was called the eye of the needle. And I, I have to say, of all the sermons I've ever heard, that, heard, that might have been the most life-changing because finally I was able to say, that makes sense. Like yeah. Jesus is asking us not to carry around our possessions and not let our possessions get in the way of getting into into the kingdom of heaven, mm -hmm. you know, or even sharing his life here today um, in the everyday before we enter the next life. Um, and I wound up thinking about that and asking, what else am I missing? Like what else is in the Bible that I've just misunderstood for years? And it really started off the dominoes of kind of, where I am today. Yeah, I mean, is when we come across the the historical context of what uh, our Lord or others are referring to in the scriptures, it really does help highlight the point that our Lord is trying to make here, right? Um, <clears throat> there, there are so many of these, so many of these as well, yeah. uh, where we use the historical critical method to understand what was understood at the time. Sometimes that's language analysis to see what was actually written in the Greek, what was written in the in the Aramaic, to say what those words meant then, not what they necessarily mean to us in English now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's fascinating. If you ever get a chance to to study it, and 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 now one of the things that we've really tried to do over the past ten months that we've been doing this is is attempt to bring the scriptures alive in ways that we may not necessarily hear or, or be aware of, but that, that whole idea of, of unloading yourself can mean physical possessions. So it's a literal interpretation. And that yeah. totally makes sense. If I'm holding on to my physical possessions and there's to use that phrase that we sometimes hear, if I let my possessions possess me, then, then I'm done for it. Sure. Right. Yeah. He wasn't necessarily saying it's bad to have those things, but it's bad to have those things if they're keeping you from a relationship with me, if they're keeping right. you from giving um, from giving me your heart and, and right. surrendering. Right. If there's if there's too much at the gate. Right. And you can't fit it through that door. Mm -hmm. That means something's got to go. And, and if we can't let that go, whatever that might be, our ego, you know, or those physical possessions or whatnot. So I've been having a lot of computer issues here in the school. So for the past two weeks when I go in to log into my class, it's not working. And the IT department has been doing amazing trying to figure this out. It's really bizarre. I haven't even told you much about it, but I've had to scramble a little bit there. They're working really hard. I was texting with them last night. And um, so yesterday we were trying something different. So usually in the morning I have a duty and I bring my, my Chromebook and I'll try to catch up on work. 
And I didn't do that yesterday because we're trying to debug this problem. And this is like a simple thing, but you know what it caused me to do? Talk to students. <laughs> His job, guys. <laughs> yeah, that would be accurate. But what a gift, because I would have been buried in this, you know, trying to grade papers or do something. Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm, pretty much, you're right. I, I was, <laughs> it forced me to do my job. And, but I found it pleasurable, which, which is, I mean, that, that's the low, that's the low bar, you know, it's like when you're a high school teacher, like, I, I do like talking to students. Well, yeah, I hope so. That's, I love when we have these moments, <laughs> <laughs> you have to see his face. There's somewhat of a little bit of a shock right now. <laughs> well, we deconstruct things a little bit, but I mean, I, and Rich, I, I had never heard uh, that. Uh, that presented before about the eye of the needle. Mm -hmm. And you were actually the first one to, to, uh, to, to tell me about that. I had never come across that in my readings or whatnot. It really has highlighted uh, this particular uh, passage mm. uh, for me, because the first part of the, the gospel is, uh, is Mark's version of the rich young man. Mm. You know, uh, I have followed and observed the commandments from my youth. Uh, what do I need? to to inherit the kingdom of heaven and that's when jesus tells this man go and sell all your possessions you know i've i've kind of preached about this one before this this pa passage hits me very hard uh it very personal to me because uh you know in matthews and luke's gospel i think matthews uh in in his version of it there's there's more of a, a specific dialogue here yeah with with this rich young man and like, I think, you know, he goes away sad because he knows he can't do it, you know? And, and I think if we, if we take it for face value, uh, it seems like, oh, wow, Jesus is being really hard here. Is he, is he telling me to give away everything I have, you know, uh, for you, you're a husband mm -hmm. uh, and a father to four kids. What does he want you to do? Live a life of poverty, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but it really, it really hit me in my own life when I realized, like you had said, those possessions where we really kind of take hold and, and really shape our, our identity, uh, where we kind of shape our personality around those things, where we're dependent upon those things, either physical or emotional or, or spiritual things. Um, you know, for, for, for me, that was bad. I remember the clear example for me that I've shared before was, was the Corvette that I had before I entered the seminary. I don't think I know about this one. I, what, uh, what year? It was a 90. So it was all, it was, I, I mean, it, I put all the money into it to, to make it go fast. And by the time I did all that, I had to get rid of it. So I really barely enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. Cause you rebuild cars. I don't know if everybody knows. Well, that. I mean, Loosely. I mean, we're going to say that loosely. I, I destroy them more than I fix them. <laughs> I, I take them apart. <laughs> I always wind up with extra parts when I'm done. <laughs> yeah, there's always extra bolts. Where does the engine go? <laughs> but after spending all this money to, I mean, just a waste of money to just put all this, to rebuild it. It was fun at the time. Mm -hmm. But if I was, if I am completely honest about that time in my life, uh, it was the car meant more to me because I shaped my, my identity around it. Right. You know, I, and I think was, that's what this gospel is about. Exactly. You know, driving that car, buying the car, driving it, you know, my hair was longer at that time. So it was the gel, the shades, the jacket. It was like, I get out of there. 
Yeah, it was the Italian thing. It was 05. I'm going right? to spend the rest of the day getting that image out of my head. <laughs> but it was like, okay, you know, like, uh, like I, you know, my thought was, I'm cool now that I have this. Yeah. You know, like people will look at me different because I have this, mm -hmm. you know? And I really didn't solve any of the problems that I had going on in my heart because I wasn't really addressing mm -hmm. my lack of self-worth, you know, uh, and, and really worked on on shaping, you know, the soul there uh, until I had to, you know, I was forced to get rid of it when I entered the seminary. And I remember at the time going through it, I, I didn't get, I, I got half the money that I really should have got for it. Um, and I remember I took, I took a screw from the interior and I was like, I'm going to hold on to it. Right. And, and I said to myself, at that time, I saw the car drive drive off, and I was like, I knew I needed to get rid of it, but I didn't realize how attached I was to it. Mm. And I ho remember holding the screw in my hand. It was such a pathetic moment in my life, but maybe <laughs> we've all been there. I don't know. I think, and I'm probably. looking at it, and I'm going, "This is all I have of this. I'm going to hold on to this memory." Mm -hmm. And then, like two weeks later, I was like, "Now oh, this is a waste." Yeah. I need to move on. And it really helped me in the seminary mm -hmm. kind of let Jesus into that space, you know, that sorely needed yeah. to be fixed. I'm glad you use that word space because I think in, in your case, this story you're telling, re relinquishing that car left space for God. Yeah. You know, for, for God to enter. Exactly. You know, uh, and all the time, you know, like where, you know, we were in Queens with it. So it was like, all right. Is it locked? Do I have it in a safe place? You know, uh, does it look good? Yeah. Uh, and I'm saying to myself, I, all that wasted time. Yeah. Now, look, was it a lot of fun? Did I enjoy it when I had it? I did. But I placed it an inappropriate level of attention to it. Yeah. Uh, and shaped too much of myself around it. And and I think it's so easy for that to happen to any of us, and it's so subtle, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Cars and rebuilding cars are not bad things. No. Then the experience that you had with that is is a great thing. And I remember before your your family moved away a year ago, a year or two yeah. ago, you were rebuilding a car with your dad and your brother. Yeah. That that's an awesome experience. When totally different experience now. Right. Like fifteen years later, because I'm in a you place. Because it wasn't taking the place of anything. Right. It's so hard. And all the, all the time we spend on, you know, as many of you listening have, have families. You might be thinking about and, and perhaps worried about, as I am at times, how am I going to pay for my children's college? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we spend so much time in this case in the future, like worrying about the future. And there's a fine line between worrying about it and obsessing about it, letting yes. that those future thoughts possess us and and having careful consideration, because I don't think we're saying, oh, no, we don't plan things. Just right. let, let it happen. Let's let's live in the moment constantly 24 seven. That doesn't work either. Right. But finding that line where we can, you know, prayerfully give it up to God and say, all right, I've done all I can do today. We'll stay with this example of paying for my child's college. Uh, I've done all I can do today to do it. The rest I'm leaving up to you, God, and maybe tomorrow we'll think about something different or maybe we'll continue along this path. Maybe the Holy Spirit will inspire me um, and my spouse to do something else. But but at some point relinquishing that, because what God has to offer is always so much better. 
than anything that we can do. Yeah. But we're always resistant of it. Oh, is that just yeah. original sin, you think? It's original sin. We yeah. don't, I mean, this is, this is part of the fall. See, when you say it, when we're saying it this clearly, I feel like I could go back outside the studio and like live like a, a disciple 24 <laughs> seven. And I won't because by the time I open the door, I'll think of something else to distract me. <laughs> oh, guys. And I know I could tell by his face now when I know he's distracted. Yeah. I need coffee before I can teach and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to do whatever I could do to get coffee. You know, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, I, Barely, so, I barely listen to myself. <laughs> so I guess the question that uh, we want to pose today uh, for this upcoming week is what are the things as you stand at the gate now that, that, that Costa has described, as you stand at the gate, at the eye of the needle uh, of the gate, what are the things in our lives that we need to detach from? Uh, where, so that we can fit in to the gate. Mm -hmm. uh, is it control? Is it, um, you know, is it an, an, an unhealthy attachment to physical possessions? Is it uh, workaholism? Mm. Is it another particular form of addiction? Is it um, uh, just an unhealthy... Future, future planning. Future planning. Is yeah. it an unhealthy attachment to social media is mm. it an unhealthy attachment to binge watching tv shows uh what are the things that that we have an unhealthy attachment to that jesus is really asking us to kind of really start to allow strip uh ourselves of and i and i just want to touch on you know uh the second reading here from the letter to the hebrews where it, it starts off very quickly by saying brothers and sisters indeed the word of god is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. And I think to help us understand uh, what might be the things that Jesus is asking us to let go of, when we think of discernment in the spirit, let's always go back to the Blessed Mother and her example. You know, in the scriptures a couple of times, Luke had described that that the Blessed Mother, uh, you know, kept all these things in her, discerned all these things in her heart. With different events, you know, Luke definitely makes present that our Blessed Mother discerned whatever it was that was happening uh, physically in the order of the flesh and in order of the spirit to discern it throughout the journey of her, her life with her son. And when we ask for discernment of the spirit, we ask her to help us discern these things so that we know that the spirit uh, that is being guided by Our Lady will lead us to the, to the proper discernment of what Jesus is actually asking of us in this gospel. Speaking of Our Lady, in, in the attempt to discern, I, I like that what you just read. Sometimes in, in the way we can live these these things out in our lives of, of leaving space for God, you know, unpacking the camel is we hop in the car and maybe we don't turn the radio. Maybe we put it, we, we find the rosary on our phone. We, first of all, we don't, yeah. we don't need to hear someone say it. We could say it ourselves. But maybe every, um, every Hail Mary can be for a prayer of giving up a specific thing uh, in our lives that we know is, is causing us undue attention. Yeah, not not any attention, but undue attention. 
uh, and and then giving up to Mary in that moment. And so it's a practical way of of being able to unpack and let leave space for God. Yeah, and and I also think too, <clears throat> I also believe too that when we have her as part of the journey, she will help us uh, to hear it, mm -hmm. not just to discern it, but for like to also hear it if somebody calls us out on something that we can discern that with the truth even though it might hurt mm. and instead of shelling up in anger to say how dare this person say something about me like that uh don't they know i'm better than that uh rather taking it as a moment of reflection to say well if this person is saying this is there any truth to it mm -hmm. and there can be the start of discernment true you know? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think another thing we can unload too, and this is hard at, at times, is to unload our past. I think sometimes oh, we, we carry point. around Very our, our past mistakes with us. Um, and sometimes those mistakes can be mistakes we made in sin that we might be bringing to the confessional, or they might not be sinful. They might just be because we grew up and you look back and you yeah. did something or said something that uh, you just wish you could take back, not even necessarily because it hurt somebody. Maybe because right. you're thinking about it clearer now and you might have with wisdom be looking at it in a different way. But sometimes we hold on to that and say, oh, geez, I was an idiot for, for doing that or, or saying that. And I think the older we get, that that becomes sometimes more apparent and it's easier to to hold those things. There is a there's one of my we always use the chosen in this podcast. <laughs> um, and there's is a great line where where Matthew is talking to i think it's philip and matthew is he's become a disciple at this point he's no longer a tax collector jesus has called him and he's really trying to make up for for lost time he's trying to read the scriptures because he was not a devout jew and everybody's helping him particularly philip and he admits to philip about his past life and philip says something to the effect of um what happened before doesn't matter what happens mm -hmm. is you're here now with him him meaning jesus you know, get rid of all it doesn't matter. You're here now. And and it's it's a great line because I think that's the way we would be with our children. You know, if our children went off the path a little bit, they're here now. And then certainly what's coming to my mind is and probably as you're listening to this right now, it's in your mind too, the prodigal son. Yeah. You know, the father welcomes him back. It doesn't matter what he did. Um and and that gospel has to do with some pretty bad things that son did squandering money being with prostitutes blah 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 but it doesn't even need to be that bad it could just be our former selves that we're carrying around that maybe are affecting our ego or affecting our ability to move forward yeah 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 so there's a lot there's really a lot to unpack here i found this quote i just wanted to read it's a little bit long um from the prophet i always say this wrong hey guy yeah we'll go with it well, you could correct me. It wasn't really a, like it wasn't Brooklyn, New Yorkish. <laughs> you know, there's no W in there for you. <laughs> yeah. So he says, um, wait, I'm going to have a problem reading this. <laughs> Do you know why? Why? Because I wrote it by hand. Oh, gosh. He can't even read his own handwriting. I can't. I have terror. I went to public school. <laughs> That's been my excuse for the last thousand years. But I need to let that go. If I was listening to myself from a minute ago, I need to let that go. <laughs> Consider your ways. Um, you have sown much, but you have brought in little. You have eaten, but you have not been satisfied. You have drunk, but have not been exhilarated. You have clothed yourself, 
but you have not been warmed. And whoever earned wages, they are in a bag filled with holes in it. I love that image. And, and he's, it, it's so, it's so, um, it's so in your face, like, yeah, everything you have has holes in it. Yeah. yeah. And, but it's so true. And this was written obviously before Jesus, right. You know, but the idea that when we, when we try to fill ourselves with the things of this world, we are so ultimately unsatisfied, you know, um, somebody said, um, I forget who it was now, um, the, the prayer not to let me be enticed by the, by the things of, uh, this world. Um, and it's, but it's hard. It's been a battle yeah. since human beings have been on the planet. Yeah. Ever since that fall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we don't even know if this successfully went through. If it did, I'm actually kind of glad because Costa was giving us pearls of wisdom today. Well, I, I, well thank you. <laughs> if it didn't, well, well, we had a nice conversation. <laughs> all right. We, we hope to see you soon or we don't see you at all. We, we hope to broadcast or record soon and um, and not let a month go by. We're, we're working at it. Do me a favor, everybody. If you're listening to this, email Costa because and get on get on his case because he's the one dragging his feet on this one. Want to hear a funny story about email? What? I set up a, an email for the for the podcast. Yeah. I, I don't remember what it is. I can't check it. Oh my gosh. It's honestly, folks, it's been that kind of month. So it's amazing thing, we've made it this far. One thing after another. Uh, but we wish everybody a, a blessed week or two weeks, or we'll see you in 2022. We're really never sure about this, but <laughs> God bless. God thanks. bless, guys. Dude, you were on fire. Oh, thanks. If you'd like to contact Father Dave or me, please follow us on Facebook at Locusts and Wild Honey. We appreciate your comments on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please tell us what you think and share with your friends.